All right, well, today we're going to finish up this series in Ephesians, and for some it's happy because we've been in it for a while, and for others you're sad, like me, because it's a great book, and it's been one that has encouraged us and strengthened us and challenged us. Today we're going to look at uh, kind of the last big thought that Paul, the apostle who wrote this particular letter to the Ephesian church from a Roman jail cell, and it was in that place of suffering, in that place of his own spiritual warfare that he wrote these particular instructions. Now, we talk about uh, spiritual warfare, and for some, it's like, what are you even talking about? Like, what does that mean? And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. And for others, it makes you nervous. Like, you don't, what, I mean, devil, I mean, really? You believe in a devil? And, and yes, I do. And a matter of fact, the scripture does as well. And it points that out throughout. Some people look at the devil as just more of imagery of evil. And yet the scripture, as you read the Bible from cover to cover, what you will find is that Satan is a real person. He's a real being. And that demonic forces are real. If we're to peel back some of the layers of our life in, in and behind the curtain of some of our struggle, we would see that there is an enemy that exists. And we go... What do we do with that? Well, hopefully we'll learn a few things that, as far as what we can do with that. If you have a Bible, we're going to start in, Math, in, not in Matthew, in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And uh, before we get there, I want to say how important it is to recognize the battle, to recognize the fact that the enemy is real. Because if you don't recognize that it's a real enemy, a real devil, and a real spiritual battle that you're up against then you'll easily miss it. You'll easily uh, be taken out because you will be discounting the very thing that is attacking your life. Paul, in the very early parts of Ephesians, talks about our relationship with God, that identity that we have in Christ, how important that is to ground our lives. Then in the middle sections of this letter to the Ephesian church, he talks about our calling stewarding our calling, that we have a calling given to us by God, each one of us, every single person. And then he gets into these relationships that we've been talking about the last several weeks, relationship with parents and children, relationships between a husband and a wife, relationship at work with your employer. And now he talks about protecting all of that, protecting your identity in Christ, protecting those relationships that are so important. And he's saying there's something against you that you need to be aware of so that you can protect the very thing God has done. So verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It begs the question, whose strength am I trusting in when it comes to dealing with issues and problems and struggles and future unknowns? Am I dealing in my own strength? Or am I depending on, relying on God's strength? You are no match for Satan. You or I, we are no match for Satan. Matter of fact, Michael the archangel knew this. this the, the Bible tells us in the book of Jude when he had a dispute against the devil, he didn't try to contend with, with Satan in his own strength, even as as this mighty angel, but instead he said, the Lord rebuke you. That's also noteworthy in the writings of David. 
he often would say, God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my fortress. Why? Because David knew he was no match for the attack that was against his life. And so he learned to trust God. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this topic. Don't be afraid of the wicked one. Don't be discouraged, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So what battle have you been fighting lately? Where have you been struggling? Where have you been contending with something that just it has not changed? Maybe it's gotten worse. It's an area that has brought great discouragement to your life, or it's frightening you on the inside. Let me remind you, the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, I'll be honest with you, many times, most of the time, I don't feel strong in the Lord. Some of you are like, shocker, I thought you were. No, most of the time, I, I feel very human. I do not feel strong in the Lord. And the reason for that, maybe the reason for you as well, is that we often rely on our feelings. How am I feeling today? Am I feeling close to God? Do I feel God is close to me? Am I feeling good? Am I feeling great? And if not, then I feel distant. And, and I have to learn to not rely on my feelings as it determines my relationship with God and not rely on my feelings as to whether or not I'm going to depend on God's strength, on His mighty power. Walking in the Spirit means tapping into God's power. It means not going by all your feelings, not going by every random thought that comes into your brain, but living day to day, moment to moment by the power of God. So verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the full armor of God. Now, you don't wear armor in peace times. You wear armor when you're in a battle, when you're in war. And it's important to know that and understand that because bullets are flying in the spirit, in a spiritual sense, and we are, we are under attack. And if we don't understand that, if we're not aware of that in our lives, then we are sitting ducks. Last weekend, my brother-in-law and I uh, did this little ride called Seattle to Portland. It's 206 miles. You do about 100 miles a day. And it, it was interesting because there were all kinds of people, 10,000 people do this ride. And so you have all kinds of people doing it. There were some people that were actually on a one-speed Schwinn, some people wearing Birkenstocks, some people actually, a couple people actually tried to skateboard it. It's crazy. And, and, and my brother-in-law and I, as we would pass these different rest stops, along the way, we would see different things like crashes. We saw one person break their collarbone, another person broke their arm. There was one lady who had blood coming down her face, ambulances, fire trucks. I mean, I was glad I had a little bit of armor. I had my helmet. That was nice. I was really glad I brought that. I had some sunscreen because we ran into some hot sun. And I was really glad for the butter, chamois, protectant cream for all of my unmentionables because it was really needed. You see, every sport has some gear that goes along with it, right? no matter what sport you're talking about. And if you've served in the military, you know that there is gear that protects you and helps defend you. The Apostle Paul, he's using this metaphor in this particular passage of a battle and of armor that we wear because we're in a battle. It's gear that you've got to gear up, you've got to put on, making sure that we don't underestimate the difficulty of what we're in. Now, a long bike ride is 
something supposedly fun. I'm still wondering if it was or not. You pay for it. You pay for this torture and this fun. But <laughs> life is not fun, is it? Life is not always fun. Sometimes it is fun. But there are a lot of times when life is very difficult. It's, it's confusing. There's struggle. There's hurt. And the enemy in those times of weakness comes and tries to attack us. It's in those times of struggle, in those times of difficulty, that we're discouraged to give up. We're discouraged to question our identity in God, to question his love for us. The enemy wants to foul up your marriage. He wants to separate your friendships. He wants to keep your family really shallow. He wants to dry up your finances and discourage you out of your ministry and ultimately attack your relationship with God. Folks, we're living in a spiritual war. and We've got to be putting on the full armor of God. Verse 11 says to stand. Stand against the devil's schemes. He's a schemer. That word scheme means strategy or method. It's not just happenstance. He has a method and a strategy. Now, the good news is it's predictable because he's a liar and he lies. The devil likes to divide brothers, and so he does things to sow cord, uh, discord in relationships. But do you have a strategy? Do you have a strategy to defend yourself? Because if you don't, you are susceptible to be taken out or be being taken down. It starts with knowing who your struggle is against. We often encounter problems, and when we have these problems, often, let's be realistic, they're with people, and we, we, we have this tendency to look at the person and go, you're my problem. Dude, you are my problem. Or you look at your wife, or you look at your husband, and you go, you're my problem. If it wasn't for you, I, I, we would have a great marriage, but it, it's you. You're my problem. And yet the scripture teaches in this next verse, in verse 12, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, what it's saying is that the real problem is not the person you're looking at. The real problem is not even yourself. The real problem is that if you peel back the layers, there are demonic forces going on, operating in the heavenlies that affect our daily lives. Now, I know for some of you, you need this disclaimer right now. It does not mean you blame everything on the devil. It doesn't mean that every stupid, idiotic decision you make, you get to blame on the devil. No, you take ownership for that. We have to take ownership for the stuff that, that, that's going on in our life, where we've created our own problems, but make no mistake, demonic forces are real and come in at those moments of weakness, those moments of sin, those moments of temptation, those times when we're insecure, when we're doubting, and it's in those times that the enemy often comes in to amplify and intensify a problem, a struggle. For example, uh, young guys, you know, especially in their teens, struggle with raging hormones. You know, it's kind of a new deal because you came out of adolescence and now you're a teenager, you're growing into uh, becoming a, a, a man and you're struggling with that and you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with this? Well, it's a very doable struggle. 
It's, it's, it's doable to exercise self-control. God made us that way. But now if you throw in and mix into that problem, that normal flesh and blood struggle, some raw pornography in the mix, in the mix of all of that, then all of a sudden you took something that was a normal struggle and amped it up to something that often cannot be controlled. It turns into an addiction, and it turns into something that can really affect your life in a negative way for a long, long time. And so who's behind the porn? Well, on one level, if you look in the flesh and blood realm, it's human, uh, it's, it's human uh, tra sex traffickers. Whenever you participate in porn, whether you like it or not, you're supporting sex trafficking. And when you look behind the greed and the lust of that thriving market, of why so many people want porn in their lives, what you'll find when you peel it all back is there are demonic forces in operation influencing and controlling through lust and greed, and the devil loves to see it. Loves to see more people get ensnared and addicted and see their life uh, basically miss out on, on the good things God has for them. This is just one example. You can look at so many different things. Look at suicide. And you look behind that, and sure, there's circumstances that lead up to that. There, there's discouragements. There's a sense of hopelessness. But when you peel it all back, what you see is, is demonic forces that take natural, normal weakness and depression and, and all of that that's probably going on in that person's life and then amps it up to another level. See, the devil is real, and he's wanting to rip apart our lives. He's wanting to cause us to struggle. He's wanting our relationships to stay shallow. He's wanting us to live with addiction that we can't get out of. And it's hard to comprehend or buy that, but it's so true and it's so real. See, if you want to be successful in your spiritual life, we need spiritual discernment. It means that I've got to quit just looking at the flesh and blood stuff that's going on, the person in my face that I have a problem with, and I need to peel back the layers and say, God, what is going on here? That helps me then know how to do battle. That helps me know how to pray and where to pray. Because we need to ask God to show us where this raging spiritual battle is going on over my marriage, at my workplace, over the kids, in all of these important relationships that, that we unpacked in Ephesians 5 and 6. Lord, open my eyes and help me see. Paul's saying, look, friends, the battle is not against people, but it's, about, it's against demonic forces. So how do we give the devil access into our lives? Let me just give you a couple quick things here. Um, so we could say on one level, oh, it's through sin. And yeah, sin will do that. But let me just be really specific. What gives access to the devil in your life? It'd be, it's good information to know, right? Because if you have an open door for the devil to come on in, welcome, come on in. You could shut that door. Be nice to know. Let me give you a couple things. First of all, unchecked anger. Unchecked anger. Remember what it said in Ephesians 4.27, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give a foothold. Don't have that open door. Deal with your anger. Deal with your relationships promptly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, when there's a problem, a rift, an offense, a hurt in a relationship, deal with it promptly. 
Because what happens is it goes subterranean, right? When we don't deal with it, we think, oh, I'll just deal with it. We deal with it up here, but something's going on in our heart. We go, ah, just forget it. Ah, whatever, they're that way. And you move on. But what happens is it goes internal, and it's unchecked, and it turns into resentment, and it's through that that we're opening a door up to the wicked one. Another thing that opens the door is hidden shame. Hidden shame. That gives an access point to the wicked one to work in our lives. He loves to work in the dark. That's his favorite place. Where there's no light, where there's no truth. If you have shame, that's that something in your life that you look back on and you go, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. That thing that either happened to you or you did it to somebody else. It could be abuse. It could be some addiction you're currently struggling with that you're embarrassed about. It could be any number of things, but wherever it is in your life that you're unwilling to bring something to the light, it's in that place you have given the the wicked one access into your life. You've opened a door. That's one of the reasons why we do Rooted. Rooted is an experience where we gather together, we support each other as we're, as we're on a discipleship journey. And one of the things that happens is we, we hit a week where we're able to really deal with some of those strongholds that are in our lives. But whether it's through Rooted or whether it's through a trusted Christian friend or whether it's through a, a Christian counselor, You've got to deal with the hidden shame issues of your life if you want to close the door on the wicked one having access. And the last one I wanted to mention where we give an open door to the wicked one is stubborn pride. So it's through, it's through unchecked anger, it's through hidden shame, and it's through stubborn pride. It's stubborn pride is that thing that just won't let me say I'm sorry when I'm wrong. It's that thing that just where you dig your heels in. It's that thing that, that, that comes from insecurity where you have to posture yourself and make sure everybody just sees the good and doesn't know the bad. James chapter 4 tells us about this kind of pride. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What does the scripture tell us? It tells us that pride causes God to resist us. I don't want God's resistance. I need his help. And so humility invites the help of God in our life, and then we have the ability to resist the devil in our life. So what does that mean? It means that just praying louder, in Jesus' name, louder, 40 times is nowhere near as effective as just humbling yourself before God. Just humble yourself before God. That means to be honest. means to just repent. It means to invite God to cleanse you. And it's on our knees where we become the strongest. It's in that place of humility where God draws near to us and he helps us fight the battles going on in our life. When you fail with your kids, tell them, apologize. When you miss a deadline at work, own it. When life doesn't work out and you feel cheated because someone died or something happened and you experienced a loss in your life rather than blaming God, why not get on your knees and humble yourself and say, God, I don't understand. I don't like it, but I humble myself before you because I don't want the devil to come in and begin to create a door 
So how do you fight? How do you fight? Those are ways you shut the door. Uh, and uh, how, do you, how do you engage in this spiritual warfare? Well, you submit to God. You humble yourself. You yield your life to God. But there's also something in Ephesians 6, verse 13, that says, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Sometimes, friends, the most important thing you can do is just stand your ground. When all hell breaks loose against you in your life, you may not take any new ground for a season of your life. You stand, therefore. Stand in the promises of God. Stand in who God says you are. You stand in his word. You stand on his faithfulness. You don't give up ground. You stand. And if you stand when it's hard, and if you stand and, and you kneel and you pray to invite God's strength and power, you'll break through eventually. And you will see a new day. You'll see a corner turn. Don't let the enemy win. Countless people, when it gets hard and there's attack on your life, pack your bags and leave. Try to escape. Quit your job. Don't do that. Stand, the scripture says, and wait for God to break through. Don't quit. Don't give up on that defiant kid. Keep praying. Keep standing. Keep humbling yourself. And keep believing that God is bigger and more powerful than anything that can come against your life. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, all of this armor, now don't get focused on, well, what is the breastplate versus the special shoes I'm supposed to wear? That, don't go there. You'll miss the point. The point is that you have truth in your life, that you have righteousness Jesus imparts to you in your life, that you have the gospel of peace, that God's made peace with us because of Jesus on the cross he invites us now to be his friends. That you have faith in your life that acts like a shield against the wicked one's accusations. And you have salvation that acts like a helmet that guards your mind in Christ. And Best of all, you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God that's an offensive weapon that you can yield like Jesus did when he was being tempted. You'll remember when he went into the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days, and he was ravished, and he was hungry, and the wicked one, the devil, came to him in that point and said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? You're the son of God. You ought to be able to do that. And Jesus uses the word of God, the Bible, as a sword of the Spirit that says, man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he begins to wield his sword of the Spirit God has given us and trusted us the, the Holy Scriptures that acts like a sword. Use it. Some of us have dropped it. Pick it up and begin to use it again in your life. Take up God's armor, everything He has done, everything that He is, and walk it out. Stand your ground. 
praying at all times, it says in verse 18, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, praying at all times in the Spirit. You see, prayer is not part of the armor. Prayer is where the battle happens. Prayer is what we do to put on the armor. Praying is that way that we access God's mighty power. Praying at all times, in your workplace, in your home, outdoors when you're playing, at church, in the car. We just begin to live a lifestyle where we're praying all the time. We're praying and we're being alert and we're being aware. We're staying alert and we're persevering. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that we'll win every single battle, but you will win the war. So I'm going to ask us to pray. And I want to just say, first of all, that if you're here and you have not yet really confessed your faith in Christ Jesus and, and, and asked him to be the Lord of your life, to forgive your sin, but beyond that, to be your leader, your Lord, the center of your life, where you find your self-worth, where you find your direction. I want to invite you to do that today because that's where it starts. If you have not done that and you just think being religious is good enough, it's not. You are open to the attack of the wicked one 24-7 in your life. It's when we come underneath the power of God. We come underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where we begin to have that access to spiritual power in our lives. If you're sick of being tossed around to and fro with your emotions and with depression and with, or, or maybe, it's, maybe you don't have that. Maybe you're just obsessed with success and with making money. Wherever it is that you give access, God wants to give you true power to be strong in the Lord's mighty power, putting on the full armor of God, standing firm when it gets tough, praying on all occasions, being alert. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will begin to open up our eyes to see beyond flesh and blood, to see beyond our typical normal struggles that we're going through to see where there may be something more going on behind the curtain and then give us boldness and faith to deal with that. Lord, I pray for spiritual discernment in our lives. And again, maybe you're here today and you, you recognize that these things are true. There is a spiritual battle going on over your life, trying to keep you from God, trying to keep you from living that life that he died on the cross to give you. You can change that today by humbling yourself, by confessing your need for him, and by inviting him in. And I want to pray with you right now if that's your desire, if God is knocking on the door of your heart, would you pray this right where you're at? Lord Jesus, I want to turn a corner today and go from just believing about you to actually believing in you. And I want to go today, God, from keeping you at arm's distance to having you become the very center of my life. 
And I'm actively right now for submitting to you, God, placing myself under you, asking that you cleanse me from my rebellion and my sin. Make me new, God. Show me what it means to walk with you. Friend, if that was your prayer, God is at work in you, changing you from the inside out. That as you stay in that posture throughout your life, God will continue to give you the mighty power you need to fight the fights, to do spiritual warfare. There's others of us here today that are Christians that that have allowed the enemy just to beat us up, maybe in who we are, beat us up over issues of our past, beat us up in different ways. And we've just settled for something way less than what God wants. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you right now to pray along with me this prayer. God, today I'm picking up my sword again. Today, Lord, I, I refuse to just lay on my back and be pummeled. God, I'm picking up my sword again, the word of God. And I want to begin to read it and apply it. And I don't, even when I don't feel like it, Lord, I'm just going to press into my relationship with you. And I'm going to begin to declare those promises that you promised to me. And I'm going to begin to rise up in my spirit and do warfare over my family and over my life, over my marriage, over my finances, over my business. God, I'm not going to just lay back and let whatever happens, happens any longer. I'm going to rise up in the spirit. And I'm going to rise up by kneeling down. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to trust you. Lord, would you do that in each one of us? Fill us with a holy boldness. Fill us with new, fresh courage. Fill us, God, with your spirit that we access your mighty power. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. Have a great day today. Have a great week. Be in prayer. Be on the alert. And uh, we'll see you next week.